Hello and welcome to Inner Journey Podcast. I'm your host, Dawn, and this podcast is meant to offer a sense of relief during the COVID-19 quarantine. Whether that is mental, emotional, or spiritual relief, I hope you find it here. And stay tuned until the second half of this episode, because I have an amazing guest. He's a gifted dancer, drummer, and historian of West African culture, and I call him a teacher. His name is Ansumani Silla. To start, though, some jokes for comedic relief coming from my girl Stacia, who's quarantined in Hawaii. She offered these jokes to switch the tone of America's hypocrisy and political confusion this week. She shared a bunch of them, but these are my top three. First one might be for the garlic lovers. What does garlic do when it's too hot? It takes its clothes off. For the ones who still believe in science, hopefully most of us, don't trust atoms. They make up everything. And for the pun lovers, what do sprinters eat before a big race? Nothing. They fast. Okay. Jokes aside, I want to get in some, into some real seriousness. You know, I've been questioning what Americans think of what is relieving. And I can say that's a really complex answer that depends on values and the caste system in the end, I think. When I first learned about the caste system in India over 20 years ago, I thought to myself, oh, I'm so glad the U.S. doesn't have that. But now at 43 years of age, I see the U.S. absolutely has a caste system, and I wish it were as overt as in India, so we could address it already and stop saying that everyone has equal opportunity when it's simply not true. Depending on your position in society, determined by birth and the color of your skin, just like in India, your rights are handed to you or kept from you again and again and again, and sometimes taken away completely. Here are a few examples of that. Say their names with me if you want, close your eyes and feel if you want, and cry if you want. It might be just the relief you didn't know you needed. Trayvon Martin, Sandra Bland, Katherine Johnston, Eric Garner, Amadou Diallo, Kenneth Chamberlain, Tamir Rice, Freddie Gray, Breonna Taylor, Ahmed Arbery, George Floyd. You know, the word relief comes from the old French relevé, which means to raise up. And I lately especially don't know how to raise up without really getting down. I've been doing that in the form of dance, in the form of feeling my down low, deep emotions, and in the form of getting down to the truth of the matter, because so many believe that the truth will set you free, but they're still too fragile to look at the truth. And self-identified spiritualists, here's my invitation to you. Put down your crystals, set aside your mispronounced mantras, 
and get down with your brothers and sisters who are literally being killed just for being alive. Call that your seva, because disembodied spirituality has no place for service in this time. You are not raising humanity's vibration by staying asleep to violence on your fellow humans. To recognize we are truly in this life together would be a great relief to those who feel utterly alone and abandoned in their suffering. I've talked about anger in this podcast. I've talked about grief. I've talked about sadness, joy, confusion, and contentment. I've said that emotions are on the move and we need to let them move. At the same time, some of us still can't do that. It feels unsafe. Our experiences when we were children showed us what happened when someone let their emotions move. My dad would let his emotions move all the way into violent rage. That even when it wasn't directed as a human, and even when it was entertaining, it was still costly. One time he called me on the phone to say, Dawn, you hear that? And he held his phone up to the window he had just thrown his computer out of so I could hear the sound of it crashing on his driveway. Our relationships to our emotions doesn't have to be like this. Many, under the yogic observance of ahimsa, or nonviolence, don't feel as if they can speak the words that are not sweet, and this is a grave misunderstanding of the philosophy, especially if that philosophy keeps them from speaking out against injustice. In yoga's oral tradition, there's a story of the yogi and the cobra. It starts in about the cobra snake, who was known for biting people. The villagers closed the street where the cobra snake lived and forbid folks from walking down that street. But the yogi, who had mastered her fear of the unknown, was not from that village. So when she started to approach the street and a villager told her to watch out for the cobra, she decided to just go and see this cobra snake who supposedly bit people. Sure enough, the villagers were right, and almost as soon as she spotted the cobra, it rose up to strike her. She stood up to the cobra and hissed, It would not be in your best interest to bite me, cobra. The cobra recoiled, hearing the truth of her words, and slithered away, muttering to himself, It would not be in my best interest to bite. A few days later, the yogi decided to go back and check on how the cobra was doing with this new doctrine on living, and she came to find him nearly dead. What happened to you, cobra? How did you get so badly injured? To which the cobra snake replied, It's all your fault. People make fun of the cobra snake who doesn't bite. They literally walk all over me. Little kids throw stones at me even. It's your fault. I'm like this. The yogi thought about this long and hard. After some time, she said to the cobra, clearly but compassionately, Cobra, you're right. I did tell you it would be in your best interest not to bite, but I never told you not to hiss. And isn't it so that when we finally begin to discern practice, we realize there's more nuance than we thought. 
Speaking truth to power is not a violation of non-harm, but rather a hiss that might save a life, and maybe just in time. We're going to travel in time a bit now to continue along on a theme of recent episodes. Today's episode of Inner Journey is part five of nine episodes dedicated to the theme of language. For this theme, I'm looking at some old oral traditions, namely from Northern India next week and West Africa today. First, let's look at the etymology of the words oral and tradition. First, the word oral coming from or, meaning mouth in Latin, and then the word tradition coming from Latin tradere, meaning to deliver, or, get this, to betray. I have to pause to share how much I feel like Alice in Wonderland when I'm researching word etymology, because it just keeps making me curiouser and curiouser. And sometimes I even need to temporarily shelf one of the word origins for later, lest I'll get too deep in the contemplative rabbit hole to be a good host. So let's look at the mouth-deliver part of oral tradition for now, and leave the betrayal part for later. This is taken from a piece written by the World Affairs Council in Houston. Oral traditions are messages that are transmitted orally from one generation to another. The messages may be passed down through speech or song, and may take the form of folk tales and fables, epic histories and narrations, proverbs or sayings, and songs. Oral traditions make it possible for a society to pass knowledge across generations without writing. They help people make sense of the world and are used to teach children and adults about important aspects of their culture. The article goes on to look at oral traditions in West Africa. It's a wonderful introduction for our guest who was born and raised in Guinea-Bissau, West Africa, and who I believe has been living and teaching in the U.S. since 2008. Side note, if you would like to donate to the Inner Journey podcast today, 100% of the proceeds will go directly to Ansumani Silla to support his good work and beautiful family here and abroad. The art of storytelling is rich tradition throughout Africa. Although written history existed for centuries in West Africa, most writing was in Arabic and the majority of people did not read or write in Arabic. So the transmission of knowledge, history, and experience in West Africa was mainly through the oral tradition and through performance rather than on written text. Oral traditions guide social and human morals, giving people a sense of place and purpose. There's often a lesson or a value to instill, and the transmission of wisdom to children is a community responsibility. Parents, grandparents, and relatives take part in the process of passing down the knowledge of culture and history. Storytelling provides entertainment, develops the imagination, and teaches important lessons about everyday life. A storyteller's tools are not just words, but gestures, singing, facial expressions, body movements, and acting to make stories memorable and interesting. Sometimes masks and costumes are used to enhance a performance. A storyteller 
performs epics that can be hours or even days long that relate history and genealogy, battles and political uprisings of a community. They use riddles, proverbs, and myths to educate and entertain. Storytelling is an important shared event with people sitting together, listening, and even participating in accounts of past deeds, beliefs, taboos, and myths. Gifted or well-known storytellers often repeat the story with the same words and expressions in each performance as they travel. They also add new material to an old story to make it more interesting or meaningful to the different audiences. Oral storytelling emphasizes repetition of the language and rhythm, which are two of its most important characteristics. Storytellers often repeat words, phrases, refrains, sounds, whole lines, and even stanzas. The use of repetition helps the audience remember the chorus and allows them to join in with the storyteller. A storyteller pays close attention to the beat and how the words sound. Using short phrases makes the stories easier to understand and recall from memory. When audiences who are familiar with the stories actively participate in their telling, they feel a sense of belonging to the community. I'll pause there because Ansumani Sila has been really important to my community of Motherheart, and we've really missed them since quarantine in particular. Let's give them a call. How are you? Good. It's so good to hear your voice. Man, how's everybody doing? Very good, very good. Nice. Thank you so much for letting me interview you. Yeah, and can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you. So this podcast is dedicated to the theme of language, and I thought you know more languages than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> and you, you said, you know, wait until after Ramadan, because for our listeners, Asumani is a practicing Muslim, and so he said, wait till after Ramadan for the interview, and that got me thinking about dance class back in times of Ramadan. <laughs> you guys, Ansumani would be fasting from sunup to sundown, and then these dance classes would be on fire. Um, I, don't, I still don't know how you did it. Well, you know, this is thing that I've been doing for a long time. Yeah. That's why, yeah, been doing for a long time. But how do you have more energy when you're fasting? I could, I could not say that because um, me, if I want to be like more energetic, I don't, I don't eat. Mm-hmm. I don't eat, yeah. Because you're light. Eat. Yeah. I just make sure I don't I eat less and keep doing what I, what I do. You know, that gives me a lot of energy. Yeah. Yes. Man, you'll kick my butt. <laughs> <laughs> So, for the record, how many languages do you speak? Well, um, talking about speaking language, um, as you know, in my country we speak Portuguese. And um, as you know, my parents from Guinea Conakry. Mm-hmm. Um, in the house, 
in the house, my my family, my father, my mom sits susuk us. All of us susuk. So if we go outside the house, we speak Kiyo. Then if you go to school over there, we learn Portuguese. Oh my goodness. Yes. Then coming back again, if we in the house, you know, Guinea-Conakry is French-speaking country. All right, with national national language, Susu has Guinea-Bissau national language, Kiyo. So in Susu, we have that combination of French. Now we call French Susu and Guinea-Bissau we say Kiyo Portuguese. People talk more Kiyo Portuguese than they talk Kiyo. It's the same thing, people now talking Susu, mixing French, then talking with Susu. But then you also, you've traveled a bunch, and you also speak um, Italian, you speak Spanish, and you yeah, speak English. Spanish comes to, the, um, um, especially when uh, um, one of my friends, uh, in Bissau, was in the Seward study, when he come back to Bissau, and that's how much, when he spends time to be in that how much time, and plus, folks speaking Spanish is very similar. You notice those who speak Spanish when I'm when talking to them, so many things that I say in Portuguese are the same Spanish. You know, like, for, for example, I want to say dance, I just say dance, but in Spanish it's by that. Okay, and my French son, too, Susu. That's how my French son, my big brother, talking French, 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 that's how my French son. And plus, dialect from, uh, from different ethnic groups in Guinea-Bissau. So um, in Guinea-Bissau, we you know, have a Balanta, Manjaku, Patel, Manjunko, we have a Patekita, we have a Bijakos. You know, a few little bit of this language, I only spend a little bit, you know, in Africa, there's a territory that says, if you want to go somewhere, you have to learn a language. You want to go to Kulani people, the village, you have to you have to know how to ask for water, you have to know how to, how to ask for scale, you know. All these stuff I learned from French. Because these are all tribal languages, right? Yes. And is you you're part of Susu tribe? I'm a Susu. You're yes. Susu, yeah. And um I guess I should tell our listeners that you're pretty much the mayor of Guinea Bissau. <laughs> <laughs> you I you know why I call you the mayor? One street, maybe we can't even get a hundred feet before Ansumani is talking to somebody else and somebody else. Yes. People call across yes. the street, Ansumani, and then we just finally said, All right, we'll just meet you at the market. Yes, that's true. People know me, uh, you know, the next house, you know, you've been in this house, most cities, we know each other there, we know each other, especially the person that. You know, I like me myself, I play soccer, I game, you know, people people get to know me, people see me on TV in my country, so I would you people know you. Those who went to school with those those neighborhood, you know. Neighbor to neighborhood I'm money to all of, all over in the South. I can go play soccer here to go here, do this here, do this here. So that's how I get to know people. Yeah, because people knew you on TV because you Danced for the national ballet. Ballet, yes. Yeah, and I got to come with you. You lead people to your home, Guinea Bissau. You show people um, where the rehearsal space is for the national ballet, and you even let us dance and drum 
It was seriously, it was one of the greatest experiences of my life, being able to dance. It was amazing. I started crying when I had to leave, didn't I? I know. It's bad. How's it taking back? I know. I know. Is it today or on the phone with a friend? The lady is moving to her place to eat. Yes, I know exactly. She was asking, yeah, she was asking for you and Eric and Noel. Mm, tell her yeah. we love her. Yeah, they're doing good. You know, and then it, that got me thinking the National Ballet is that even though maybe Susu is your first language because you were in the house. Really, what? music was your first language, huh? So my my family, my uncle used to dance. I never met in my life. Uh, he used to tell us he was in Guinea-Conakry, I was in Guinea-Bissau. And my mom tells the story. Oh, you want to be your uncle? He used to be downstairs dancing, dancing all his life. Hmm. Like, who knows? We don't know. So things come true. I can dance, dancing. Since I know that this is going to be my key to problem is going to be my my key to being a very good society. This is going to be my key to be um, teaching, sharing my culture. So I, I just take it seriously and I respect what we do. So I think that's what most helped me to become, you know, dancer and music. Yeah, and you also, you can, you tell stories too and you... You know, it seems like you know the entire history of your country, and most Americans don't know the history of, of the United States at all, but you know the whole history of your country because there's, in Guinea-Bissau and all over West Africa, there's this huge oral tradition through stories and songs. I'm wondering if there's a, a song that you were taught maybe by your mom when you were younger that was it taught you about um the culture in guinea bissau well um normally um to be, to be honest uh, about culture in guinea bissau uh, when i was growing up i started learning deeply what culture was in guinea bissau and when i was young i remember my mom used to tell a story you don't go out with the cartoon because when i put them Because we have so many ethnic groups in Guinea-Bissau. You know, 
if you go see the bank that we do, I try to do my best to explain to you, 90% or 85 or 75% of, uh, of those, those ethnic groups. So I learned all this um, when I was in National Ballet. We have a chance to work with, uh, how they call it, um, National Media, um, United, United Nations. Oh, United Nations? Yes, United Nations. They take us to do um, bank research around this, around this country. I remember I was in the north where you can see the uh, blue people and Jola people near Senegal. I was, I was last, last, last far away near Senegal. Not, not, not really like, like one mile or two, three miles to get from Senegal. This village called Sandinini. Yeah, that's what I went to do research, dance research with the French National Ballet. Mm-hmm. Uh, I found out that a woman can wrestle too. I found out the wrestle is different with the Balanta people wrestle. You know, I found so many things, but those ethnic groups, it's two, it's two ethnic groups that compare, they don't share the culture with nobody because of saving it. Yes, yeah, because yeah, they have to preserve it. Yeah. If you don't belong to the ethnic group, not allowed to be in the ceremony, not allowed to do the, 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 the secret stuff. But all the other dancers, we are, we are allowed to know a little bit because we are taking over from different states. We're taking to the states, we're taking to the world. We all know that this is the people survive. They like daily life, this one, they do this one, they do. That's why we went to these villages to learn dance with us. And plus, you have a visual people, those who live in an uh, island. Those people too, they don't share the culture like that. It, 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 and it's menor of them in the city. Majority people in the city, Palanta people, because they do the, the culture all over there. Any place they are, they do the culture. Mm. They do the culture, yes. I know, I know about the superstition, but they know from, from the, from, from the, from the, from the A to B. Uh, I know a little bit of the, the, the culture, you know, I know a little bit of the culture when you go in up, what you have to do, when you go it's, it's like um, 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 step by step, you do first step, you do second step, third step, fourth step, fourth step, until you go to the power. Yeah, and that's just how to, how to be respectful, right? It's just like, step by step of like before you even get to learn you have to show that you're respectful of course that's yeah. uh, that's how you learn it because the the white white passing which is a uh, a very interesting when they started they started in a um feeding house you have to do that you do that you have to do naya you have to do together you have to do kuman all this is different is different things when you finish this one, you jump to this one and do this one. Even so you finish everything. One that I like this was with one that said Kantapo, singing for the wood. Oh, I wood, see. yeah. Singing for the wood, they say they call Kantapo. Kantam in Korea means singing for meaning wood. Wood? Oh, for the woods. Yes. Yeah, like yeah, for the trees. I grew up singing, yes. I grew up singing that Kantapo. And they have a costume day, so that's one of the biggest celebrations, which is when we come to the harvest time. So mm-hmm. after that, after costume day, they have now a thing to do with circumcision. The circumcision is very, very, very secret and very dangerous. I don't know how to characterize it, but it, it is a strong ceremony. 
Yeah, very sacred, you know. Yeah. Very sacred. And yeah. I can feel the energy when you say it's really, really strong ceremony. I can feel that energy. Yeah. If somebody asks me, what do you like most? I like Balanta people, then I like the culture, I like visible people, then I like the culture, you know. You learn all these things, we show you how to become an amazing. How to stand and what's comfortable, how to take care of people, how to respect, how to receive, how to let people go. You know, we learn all these things. Not just in Valencia, it's, it's all in any ethnic group in Africa. All of the things. It's just a different, different type of ceremony. It's all in the Manco people the same. They have the ceremonies too. You know, but the ceremony is more like religious. More like religious because Mandingo people is one of the ethnic groups those who don't pray before. Pulani people make them pray because they fight them. Yeah, and it strikes me, you know, because in school you learn, like, you know, all this book knowledge, but what you're describing is you learn how to be a human being, you know, through these ceremonies, and you learn how to be a strong human being of course. and you of learn course. respect and you learn the history and you learn also it sounds like you learn how to learn from other tribes too you don't just go yes. in there and start talking yes. you know you listen and you prove yourself of course can you talk a little bit about the tradition of Donumba? Like, well, Dunumba, Dunumba from um from Guinea-Conakry and from the village called Kumisa, and um, is a name is a name for the strong one, for strong men, and also for the women. I'm talk about my experience. I think is a is dance that belong to the um dance that belong to the Mandiko people in Guinea-Conakry. They Kumisa, they keep Mandiko more out there. And um, I think in the days that uh, all the strong women, the strong men come out to celebrate that day, to celebrate that day, just doing the, doing the harvest days or some of the type of different ceremonies in Zimbabwe. If you really know it, in Zimbabwe, the way they dance in Zimbabwe today, and if you go to the village, it's so different. They have uh, this little, little thing, um, like the court. To call the freedom, I don't know how you call it, with Cayman Shabbos. This is different with Machete. This one has a head, this head and has a, a long, a long small thing in the. Uh, oh, yeah, that's uh, an axe. Yeah, they, they hold that in thought. They hold, some other, some other people hold a long, um, like a, like a thing that they, they work people with back in the day. They, they, they work slaves with, a, I don't know how they call the cord. Yeah, it's a whip. Yes, yeah, so that's why sometimes you see Dundumba people dancing, they pick themselves with that. They pick themselves. Wow, so really? I, yes, yes. That's a, that's a real Dundumba out there. That's a real Dundumba out there. That's how they get fired up? Uh huh. That's how they get themselves fired up? Maybe. Like excited? <laughs> Yeah, so yeah, because Zimbabwe is a, is a, has a, as you know, is a dance from Guinea-Conakry. As a dancer, me, I, um, you know, I get to know a little bit of uh, the rhythm of the, the dance. Yeah, it's from Kurusa, Kurusa, 
something like called Bantuba, which, can you talk a little bit yes. about Bantuba? Yes. Bantuba, Bantuba is a, as normally say, is a place where people the same age meet. In Guinea-Bissau, we call it Bantaba. Bantaba is Mumbai. Bantaba is uh, Mumbai, of course, is two years too. It's coming from different places. You know, all the young people may sit down, have fun. You know, over there they teach their own self. They now imagine when the people in the same age are, there's no adult. So mm-hmm. over there they create their own secret too. Not outside with what they learn from adults. The guy is what they learn from adults in the western by themselves. They create their own stuff. That's, um, what we say, um, I can say that, like, say that, like, initiation. You know, they, they initiate in their own, they sit down, they, they teach their own self. They, they, they drink from there, they clap, they argue, they fight. But everything happening there, they don't tell nobody. That's between them. That's how they, they go, they go to other men. So, Pantuba normally is a tree. It's a tree. Mm-hmm. And, 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 even in the name of the I remember, we have a Bantaba, we used to go on the tree. We are barbell trees. We have a feeling of there. We put our, our, we put, um, any place we can sit down. We have a game that we play up there. Those who singing, those who, those who, those who, um, dancing. We do everything over there. So what happens, anything that happens over there is right there. But this place is just for us. Us of the same age. I don't, don't come there anytime. No. They're not coming in. They know, they know our time to go there. You know how I'm gonna get out, uh, out of there to go, go home. So no one's gonna run to mommy or daddy to tell. <laughs> yeah, they, that's why I used to say everything happening there. Your mama, your father don't know nothing about it. <laughs> not, everything, everything that good, everything that good happening there is good for you and you keep out the secret. I have to say they argue there, they fight, they do everything. You can teach their own self how to how to love each other. How to respect each other, how to talk, to behave. This, I mean, that thing, that thing I learned from Bantaba, I don't learn it from my father and my mom. Mm. It's like being a, being a different society. Yeah, you know, and you, you learn a, You have a guy, yeah, you have a guy, you have adults who's teaching you everything, but whatever you're teaching yourself, you're teaching yourself to, you know, I think there's a, that's, that's, a, that's, a, that's a, um, rule of the Bantaba. Yeah, and yeah. it's truly where you get to learn who you are. Of course. You, know? you get to know yourself. You get to know people around you too. And you get to know how to, how to at least do be described. Because you don't, sometimes you don't know who's coming for you, who's coming for you to teach you good things or bad things. You don't know. But if you pass in the bank of us, among us, among us, let me say this to you, among us, you can be the good person, there can be person don't like this one, you like this. That's how we learn, we learn from there. So out, out there, we have no problem to understand nobody. Mm. Because you've already been in a bunch of That's so, so true. And it's beautiful to watch someone dance 
and to watch how they respond to the drums and then to know something about them, to know if they're a good person because you can watch they're honest and they're humble in their dance and to see if they're a really, really powerful person because you see, you know, God moving through them in the dance. You see that they're like a spiritual person, you know? was because then no one would follow Trump because you know that dude can't dance. Be like, get out of here, man. You you suck. Get out of here. Nobody's listening to you anymore. You can't dance. Um, you know, but like the people have no, have no, like, a big thing, they just act who you are. That's, that's what really, you know, is really interesting. Uh, so, if we learn that here, things are going to be different. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's what I think the U.S. really needs that, you know, to be able to actually, like, because, you know, I've been thinking a lot about words, and it's funny because this segment is about language and you speak so many languages but it's interesting that in the United States and I bet it's everywhere too but what I notice from our government is that they use words and they use the words in the wrong way they use the words to try to trick people and when you're sharing about Bantuba and that you just see the spirit of a person by how they dance. I wish that we could operate that way because you wouldn't be able to use words to fool people because you would just have to use your body and how you dance and they would just see you. You wouldn't be able to use words to fool people. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? We in Africa, as I say, the bunch of us, when you learn everything, because you start learning from your own friends, of your own people around That's what I say, if you come from there, you have no problem understanding nobody that you don't know, any place that you go. Because I, with intuition, talk to you first before you take action. Yeah, the you intuition know, talks you know, to you first. Plus, plus, we, we over there, when it comes to white empathic, when it comes to initiation, all about people, non human beings. If you are back to studying, like you studying a person, even even person adult friend of you, you look at them we not so don't look in the eye. You know? They don't look in the eye if you study with your adult. But if you with your friend, of course, the same thing, of course. But what you but especially listen to what they say to you. And you go analyze that. There's a white to do this, and this is not white to do this. If I do this, I'm going to hurt myself, I'm going to hurt people. 
if I do this other thing, I'm going to hold people, hold people over there and I'm not going to hold it myself. Mm. So you're going to have an affair, you're going to have an affair to do something wrong to anybody if you have the initiation, you go to the initiation until you come out. So it's even deep. It's deep. It's deep. So you have to learn your own self. So what we what we say in Africa, um, you can say first before you do something, they ask you, do to yourself first. If you feel good with it, and okay, you're good to go. But if you don't feel good with it, don't do to know back. Mm, that's a really good word to trust your intuition. Yeah. You know, but also yeah. to test yourself out, you know. Of course. Because it's a thing that we learn when we were growing up. You know, I, I remember, I remember so many things that I do when I was young. Uh, um, you know, I, I never tell this story. Uh, I born my sister, little sister, with a, I put a, um, middle in fire, who was just playing. I take her out, put her in my sister, she's free. And the mom did the same thing to me. The mom, and then she asked me, how do you feel? I say, it hurts. She said, okay, next time you're not gonna do it. Mm-hmm. Next time you're not gonna do it. And from there, I, I learned. Yeah. You know? I'm older than my sister. I have, I have like two young brothers than, than her. My mom said, you know better. You cannot do things like that. And she do to me, I'm like, oh, this is not good to do to nobody. That's how you, you learn. Know, your people learn a lot, especially if, if you turn to the, to the, um, the white party because so many, so many people think oh, you just go learn before your own self. No, you go learn how to how to really put people out there, how to really behave. Yeah, and I was thinking back when one of the first things you shared was about like the oral tradition. You were sharing that your mom used to tell you this story, and you don't remember the details, but it made you cry. And it was about two yeah. twins. I was thinking. I wonder if it made you, if it touched you so deeply emotionally because of your twin brother. Yeah, it touched me. This is before my twin brother even passed away. This one, he was going like, he was like 10, 11. You know, my mom said on that story. And um, the way she's playing the story, the way she's singing the song, emotionally, when he comes to you, because he makes me cry. Do you think some part of you knew, or some part of her already knew that he was going to pass away, and the spirit kind of told you that? Yes, um, I knew it when I traveled to, when I, when I first go with Noel. Yeah, uh, when I, 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 knew, I knew that he was going to pass away. He was just waiting for me to go away. Wow. Um, when, I, when I traveled 2017, I was like, eye to eye. And my spirit tell me this is the last time you wanna see your mom. But I don't talk I don't say I don't talk. And before she even passed away, I see so many signs here, so many signs. And my dream don't lie to me. Never. Mm-hmm. It, 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 it says I know it, but if I take it seriously it's gonna happen. Yeah, my dream never lies to me. I know exactly what you mean. I know exactly yeah. what you mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I remember when I saw my teacher last, which was also in 2017, uh-huh. I knew that that was the last time I would see him alive. Well, one thing that I'm in Africa, that's when all the things are powerful. 
twins are powerful in Africa? Yes, that's it as well. Me, when my twin died, everybody found them a week. Wow. Yeah, I can say that a hundred times. So, vision. I believe that, you know, not, I mean, I feel that intuitively that your spirit is strong and protects people, but I also, you know, I know it in your song, and, it, and I think it is because you're part of this strong oral tradition that your words are actually, they're prayers, you know, and your words are like, they're also like spells, you know, and spells of protection. Right. I think right. there's something to that. Um, I, I, I normally say that to people, there's a thing that we say in Africa, my world, what I'm saying, never fell the ground, never touched the ground, stayed in the air. Mm. It means if it don't happen today, it's going to happen tomorrow any day. Mm. Yeah. Um, I, I came here in 2008. Uh, I was I was little bit, I was little bit tight on myself. I called, I called my brother. I said to him, wow, I, I said to her, I said to him, I don't know what's going on. He said to me, just calm down. And he said to me, he said, calm down, what's going on? I said, I don't know. I'm not here, it's like, I'm, I don't know if I'm going now, I'm on the sky, I don't know where I am right now. Mm. He said to me, just calm down. And my mom, you know, my niece, when I was little, they used to worry about me a lot. Especially me, I'm, I'm like such a hard head. I want to do everything. I want to see everything with my eyes. I fell from the mango tree. I fell from the gorilla tree. So many stuff. But nothing happened. <laughs> I think like the mango during the night. Find the white, the white mango during the continuous up. And the mango is ah, I didn't for mango. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I know so many stuff with my mom and my father. They normally, I used to do a lot of things. My dad has to do a lot of work to calm down my vision. Wow. Well, I guess yeah. it didn't surprise them at all that you ended up traveling the entire world, pretty much. Yeah. I, you know, in Africa, it's hard to walk during the night, especially when there's no electricity. Me and man, I go anytime, anytime, go out anytime during the night, and nothing happens. And I can see those bad people during the night. Mm. Yeah, when, when it takes so long, you lost, you lost all the vision, some, some, some other things come to you, you know, start thinking all different things. Uh, I used to have a conversation with Nana a lot. She, she asked me, Emphasis sometimes explains to me who I am. I'm like, oh, how did you know all this about me? Because I can see your dreams, I can see your spirit. You're so powerful and you're so special. You know, and she was saying to me, if I was in Ghana, I would be like a king. I'm like, I'm a king already. Yeah. You're definitely a king. Yeah. <laughs> well, King Ansumani. If there was if there was a song from your culture that relates to this time we're in, you know, like this time of quarantine and this time where everything's unknown and people have to stay safe and you know, it's a hard time. 
Is there a song you can think of that you would like to share? It's a hard time, you know, and um, for us, today is like 43 years old, stands out similar, a fourth finger for a nation that um, completes their 43 years old. And he sang the song that says, If more than enough could have seen the book, if you hear us, we are thinking, we have to sit down and listen. So after talking with Ansamani, I thought back to that other meaning of the word tradition besides to deliver. Remember the Latin origin for the word tradition is tradere, and it also means to betray? Here are my current thoughts about how tradition and betrayal go together in the United States. Betrayal is a deep part of the U.S. tradition, and it is betrayal of all people but most especially people of color. U.S. citizens are fed stories that betray the truth, and those stories are packaged as our education, and that education 
is mandatory. We have paid to study about our founding fathers, and while those founding fathers were writing about freedom and justice for all, enslaved people cleaned their houses and tended to their lands. Black folks were being lynched in the streets for all to see. Didn't matter if the person of color committed a crime or if a white woman just accused a black person, the person of color was lynched. Just like today. Same as it ever was. Doesn't matter if the person of color is deeply peaceful, religiously pious, a teacher, spouse, parent. Doesn't matter if the person speaks ten languages because all that's seen is the color of their skin and that the lies have been propagated around that pigment. This is a great betrayal of truth, of human life, of the human spirit. And many of the people who have committed to non-harm sit back and watch violent and violence and murder happen and call it benevolent indifference, call it transcendence, call it practice, and then say that by doing nothing they are raising the vibration of the earth. It just shows how disconnected from the deep spiritual roots of some modern New Age practices or affiliations they are. In one of the early yogic texts, the Bhagavad Gita, the peaceful warrior Arjuna finds himself on the front line of a war, facing folks with names of non-virtuous qualities. And he tells his mentor, the godhead Krishna, that he can't fight, and he casts away his bow and arrows and sits in the chariot in the middle of the battlefield. His teacher, Krishna, not only convinces Arjuna to fight, but to fight with the will to win, to restore good, to restore balance, to fulfill his duty as a warrior. Krishna tells Arjuna to arise with a brave heart and push forward. He tells him that these limits of the superficial body should not stop someone from doing what he must do, namely, restoring the power of good. To me, it sounds like this story is speaking to the silent folks of this country, especially the folks who call themselves spiritual. That as spiritual people, we have to fight to restore good, to fulfill our duty as peaceful warriors. Thank you for listening. Thirteen thank yous and honey in my broken heart. This song that I'm about to play is by an artist named Ketza. And the song is called Broken Hearted. Till next time.